It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Our scripture text comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verse 1. And the Bible says, so God blessed Noah and his sons. Somebody say, and his sons. And said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. You may be seated. Before we get started, I just want to say that I mentioned last week that I study from a lot of different versions of the Bible as well as commentaries. But for this particular series, I chose to uh, do most of my referencing in addition to word studies out of the original African Heritage Study Bible. Uh, even though it has that title, uh, the version of the Bible most of the time is written in the King James Version. So most commentaries, whether it's this commentator on the Bible or others, they all would normally trace their studies back through the King James Version of the Bible. Amen? And so I just want to make that clear. But before we do that, I said something last week. And uh, as I was preaching, someone must have kind of took some notes. And Brother Wayne sent me this clip. Uh, my daughter sent me a, a little definition of how uh, the name Nimrod is translated in different cultures. And you know, we said last week he was a great warrior and a thinker and all that. And uh, she sent me a definition that de described him entirely different from what the Bible said. And so Wayne took it upon himself, and this didn't come from me. He ran across this clip, and I said, maybe it's worthy of sharing with you. So this mindset is old mindset. I don't know how old this clip is, but believe me, there's still a root of this mindset that still exists today. And I think the word of God is, is what people need to understand to root out mindsets that come from a misinterpretation of this same word. So can you play that clip for me, Marcus, and then I'll get right on into today's lesson. And let me tell you right up front, you young people, you want to marry a black man, you girls, don't ask me to do it, because I will not. I refuse. I cannot do it with a conscience toward God and look these quotes in the face. You white brothers, you find a black sister, you want a man in Africa or whatever more, don't ask Brother Donnie. I'll, I'll quit your suit yourself. I'd rather you quit than me get in trouble with God. Well, glory. <laughs> now, you wouldn't think that you would hear that coming from a pulpit that read the same Bible that I'm about to read to you today. But the people go to church and don't read the Bible for themselves. They will embrace ignorance and then blame it on God's word. Amen? 
Well, based upon our scripture, we've decided to call this sermon, We Are in the Blessing. We Are in the Blessing. And, and this is going to be our second sermon in this series that is connecting uh, to African American or Black History Month. And, 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 and we recognize that here in America that we acknowledge the accomplishments and contributions African Americans have made to this great nation. But I said to you on last week, uh, when we talk about African history and African American history, we often begin with slavery. But as Christians and as children of God, African history begins with creation and the introduction of mankind into the earth. The Bible says that the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. I explained all that last week, so I don't have time to go over it again. And there he put the man whom he formed. Now Eden flows from the region of the Blue Nile and the White Nile rivers over to the Tigris-Euphrates River. And even though I was not too smart in geology, I do remember that the Nile River run through Africa. So somewhere in Africa, God put a God. And, and, and it flows out of a land called Cush. Now, if you don't do research and understand what Cush meant back then, that was another way of saying modern-day Ethiopia. Making sense to anybody? So I said my objective is simply to show you that we're in the blessing. I said in our culture, many of our young people are being discouraged and dissuaded not to get on this course of religion called Christianity. They're being told that it is a religion that is used to keep our people in a docile and subjugated state of mind because at one time it was used to present people of African descent as inferior inhumane, and relegated to a life of servitude. Most of this thinking was perpetuated by an erroneous teaching called the Hermetic Curse, a Hermetic Curse, Ham's Curse, which alleged that when Noah cursed Canaan, his Ham's son, that that curse caused all the descendants of Ham to be black which over the years have been used by many to justify the enslavement of millions of people of color. Now I understand that the Bible is God's holy word and it is multicultural and written for all mankind because God made it clear that Jesus died for all mankind. And, but I want you to understand that in this series, I will primarily highlight the descendants of Ham. And for clarity, I'm going to call him Black Ham. Since that's what they say the curse represented. As they used it from a racist viewpoint. And so what I want you to understand is I, my viewpoint is to make sure that I include racial pluralism, multiculturalism, and inclusiveness, because I believe that we are all in the blessing. 
I said, oftentimes we find our children and ourselves that we form this mental movie of this story that the Bible represents. And because of social engineering and a Eurocentric viewpoint of the Word of God, very seldom do we picture ourselves in characters of note and prominence in the Bible. We often see those as being white people. Because based upon the movie that has been written for us, most of the people that wrote the movies edited us out of it unless it was in some condescending way. Now last week I laid the foundation with the events after the flood and the passage that we uh, said was erroneously translated uh, calling people of color cursed because they're Ham's descendants. And we close by starting our journey into the genealogy of Ham. And I don't have time to relitigate that sermon. So if you missed it, I encourage you to go back so you can connect the dots. Amen? Now today I want to start in Genesis chapter 16. And I'll read, and you'll hear in verse 3 through 11 when I read. Today we are going to see how Black Ham's descendants mixed and mingled interculturally, internationally, and interrelationally. I didn't say interracially. I said interrelationally. Let me be clear. And here we see Abram had become fearful because he was getting old. And he hadn't had a son yet, didn't have an heir. And he was thinking that all of my stuff is going to be left to this steward who's taking care of my house named Eliezer. And Eliezer happened to be a Canaanite. And so, you know, because women at that time could not inherit property, that meant that Sarah wouldn't have got it, but his steward would have. And Sarah was becoming frightful because she was old and did not have a child. And during that time, you know, women prided themselves on being able to bear children. So out of desperation, Sarah begs her husband to go in and intermingle interrelate with her handmaid. And that handmaid just happened to be an Egyptian. One of Black Ham's children. And, and we learned last week that Abraham comes from Shem's lineage. And Ham's lineage is through, and, and, and what I'm saying, Egyptian lineage is through Ham. And so therefore, last week we learned that when you see the word Mizraim in the Bible, it is normally translated now to be 
Egypt. And, and what we're going to see is that because of this decision, Abraham and his wife going to merge two lineages together. Y'all follow me so far? And later on, God's going to change Abram's name to Abraham. Most times y'all miss that. Could have called him Abram anything, but he called him Abram. Let me read. Y'all in verse, chapter 16, verse 3, it said, look this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, somebody say the Egyptian, the Egyptian servant and gave her to Abram as a, what? So that guy was lying. He said he would violate God's word. If he ever married a black person with a white person. And he says, if you women in here want to go out and find you one of them brothers, don't bring them up in here. Because I ain't going to violate God's word. And some people clap. And they didn't even know that Abraham, the father of the faith, and the father of Abram, thank you, of many nations, <laughs> in desperation, Doc, he didn't have no problem marrying an Egyptian. Now look at this. He says, this happened 10 years after Abram settled in the land of Canaan. Anthony, you're helping me out. So my logic would be, why let your man of promise go live down amongst Verse 4 says, so Abram had sexual relationship with Hagar, and she became pregnant. So now we're going to have children from two different lineages, nationalities, cultures of people. But when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, sisters, <laughs> maybe we get some of this from Hagar, you know. <laughs> she, she, I'm just, let me just be a human right here, because it says, when she knew that she became, she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. In other words, disrespect, disdain, and scornful. She forgot her place. Even though Sarah shouldn't have done what she did, she was trying to get her to produce an offspring for her so that they would have a lineage left in the earth. God had promised them he was going to give them a son, but they got ahead of the, and when they got ahead of the promise, they introduced Ham's children into the equation. And now when she got all sassy, verse 5 says, then Sarah said to Abraham, this is all, somebody say all, all your fault. Now you told me. Abraham, just like Adam, he listened to, and it's still his 
Now, he take part of the blame because he could have said, no, I ain't doing that. God done promised us. But ladies, I'm telling you, you got influence. You fighting for power when you need to be using the influence that God has given you over your husband. You don't need to shift the power structure. You just need to know how to use your These are men of God who knew what God had said, and they still listened to their wives. Let me read on. He said, I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treat me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see. We're going to see some irresponsible power here because when people get in power, sometimes they can get crazy. He said, now look, then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly, cruel, in an unpleasant and rough manner, that Hagar finally ran away. So I can imagine why slaves ran away if master was treating them harshly and cruel. But here, we can see that in the midst of her running, God felt like she needed to stay in place. So what we're going to hear is that as she has an encounter, God directs humility. Now look at verse 7. It says, and the angel of who? Now why in the world would a holy God send an angel after a curse? person. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road of Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? Called her by some say God knows you. She said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied, the angel of the Lord said to her, return. Now, I know she probably didn't want to hear that message. Just like sometimes we come to church and we don't want to hear the message that the Lord has. So the angel says to her, read. In another words, he said, hey, repent. Go back to where you came from and submit yourself to her. Now, that don't make sense to the natural mind. You want me to go back to where someone has treated me in a cruel fashion? But when you walk by faith, you got to trust what the angel Now look what he says to, in this promised blessing. Then the angel added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant. And we'll give birth to a son. And you are to, or you are to name him Ishmael. Which means God's, God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. Now, get this. Did y'all see who named this boy? 
Y'all missed that, didn't you? You know, you would have thought he would have let the mama name the baby. But for some reason, the Lord gave this boy his name. So what I'm trying to get you to see, God is not a respective. If this was a cursed person, I'm sure Holy God would have had a problem coming in because he could have just let her die. But not only did he save her, sent her back to where she came from, but he spoke a blessing at the same time. <laughs> now let me just transition here. Now in chapter 17 is where God changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham, and I said earlier it means the father of many nations. So we know she got a nation inside of her, and the angel just told her, you're going to give birth, and, you, and you're going to also have a lot of descendants too. Now, what we see here after he changes Abram's name, he made a covenant with Abraham and he ratified it with the act of what we call circum, where he circumcised all the male children. He studied the story, Abraham circumcised his servants. And circumcision was practiced among the Egyptians and is practiced throughout most of African countries even to this day. God reaffirmed his promise that Abraham would have a son by Sarah and his name would be Isaac. All this is in chapter 17. And he would be the seed of promise. And although Ishmael would not be the son of promise, this is what God told Abraham in verse 20 to set his mind at ease. He says, and as for Ishmael, I have heard thee, because he is your son, and I know you're concerned about him. Behold, I have blessed him. Even before Isaac was born, Ishmael was blessed. And will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes. Somebody probably said, thought that meant 12 slaves. 12 princes shall he beget. And I will make him a great nation. Not an inferior nation, but a. And so when we get over to chapter 21, which is my second turn. Verse 21, and I know I'm going slow today, but y'all bear with me. I hope something is registering somewhere in your movie. Now, in chapter 21, we find the birth and the early growth of Isaac, the son of promise. And I want to make sure I keep saying that. By this time, Ishmael is about 13 years old. And one day, Sarah saw Ishmael mocking. Uh, you know how brothers do, he brothers, big brother teasing baby brother, mocking Isaac. 
And she demanded Abraham to cast the bondwoman and her son. This sounds like a, a replay of the same movie. And he said, he shall not, she said, he will not be an heir with my son Isaac. In other words, now, this is the same son that you brought in the picture when you thought you weren't going to have no. You had positioned yourself to accept this boy as your heir. But now that you got Isaac, we could just kick little Ishmael <laughs> to the curb. Now, she didn't have no problem doing that because she got what she want. But Abraham knew that that boy was still his. So it hurt Abraham. It became grievous to him. So, so God had to speak him, to him and tell him to do what Sarah had required because he made it clear that Isaac is the seed of promise. Then God reaffirmed what he had said to him in Genesis 17, 20, that he would also make Ishmael a great nation and he, because he is your seed. In other words, I'm going to bless Ishmael just because he connected to you. So I dropped by to tell you, we in the... So early in the morning, early in the morning, Brother Rob, Abraham did what Sarah wanted because God told him to go ahead and do it. He took some bread and some water and sent Hagar and Ishmael on their way. You know, with that move, ladies, Hagar became a single mom. Deadbeat aid. Just gave her some bread and water. And she ended up wandering out in the... You know, some things can happen to you for the good even in the, in the wilderness. And, and when her supply ran out and she thought that they were going to die, see, she hadn't heard the promise. She just assumed we destined to, so she didn't want to see her son die, so she sent him away while she cried out. But I want you to see how this story play out. Because that would have been a good time for God to just let black ham folk just die in the wilderness. But God had made them. If this boy dies, them 12 don't come about. See, y'all don't even have to be smart to figure out this girl ain't going to die. Amen. So if you thought that the movie was going to be edited and it's going to cut out and she's just going to die right there, nah. God said, we got to put this back in your story. Because a lot of times we may skip over this when you look at it from someone else. Oh, Lord, I hope I ain't hurting nobody's feelings today, but I'm just trying to read and make some sense. Is, am I doing all right so far? Y'all help me out if I get in trouble. Let's look at this. Verse 21, chapter 21, verse 17 says, but God heard the boy crying. 
Y'all hear that? He heard the... Even though the child was a child, because of what was on his life, the blessing, God heard, and he was going to let him know, hey, look here, it ain't time for you to die. This is not your destiny. You're not going to die here in this wilderness. So I'm listening to your cry. And look at this. And the angel of God called on Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Then he says, don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. He was separated from her. Go to him and comfort him. And I will make a great nation from his descendants. Giving her some confidence now. And look at this. Then God opened Hagar's eyes. And she probably saw what was already there. But sometimes when you're in misery and you think you're going to die, you don't see clearly. You can miss some things that's around you, but because you're in that state of mind that you can't see a blessing because of your misery. Then God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water. And she quickly ran and filled her water container. Abe didn't give her a whole lot of supplies. And gave the boy a drink. And look what God said. And God was with the with the boy as he grew in the wilderness. Even in the wilderness, God allowed this boy to flourish. And he became a a skillful archer. In other words, he had some abilities. And the ability to do some things well, Major. And what I drop by to tell our young people today is that, guess what? You can do more than play basketball. You, you can do more than play football. And you can do more than run track. Yes, those are great skills to have. But I want you to know God has skilled you on the inside with something that would allow you to achieve even at a higher level. Because everybody ain't going to be a LeBron. But everybody can be skilled in some aspect of math or learning so that they can learn how to think like God wants them to. <laughs> so he settled in the wilderness of Perm, and his mother arranged for him to marry a woman. And guess what? She went back and found this woman. Back to Egypt. Not to her race, but to her nation. And so now we're going to mix some nations together. Abraham's son is now finna go to... So if we didn't pick it up yet, Major, this is the product of a mixed relation. So being mixed is not a curse. No matter how much blood of, of the other race you got. Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> let, let, me, let, me, let me get over to where I'm trying to go. But 
I want to talk about some things here before I get to chapter 25. So I want to fast forward the story because in these verses or chapters, Sarah's death is recorded in chapter 23. She dies in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to the sons of Heth. Heth was the grandson of Ham. So when Abraham was in need of a place to bury his wife, he went to these strangers and said, I am a stranger in your land. Will you give me a possession of land so that I can bury my wife? And guess what they did, Brother Mose? They didn't hold Abraham's culture against him. They gave him the best land they had to bury Sarah. And then they even later sold him a lot more land at a discounted price for himself. And the Bible says that Abraham bowed down to the people of the land, not to worship them, but to just show them that his gratitude and risk. People ought to be able to respect you regardless of what the hue of your skin is. You don't need to be a PhD to get respect. You ought to be respected just because you're a human. So in his need, he didn't have no problem negotiating with Ham's descendants. Now, quickly, I want to turn to chapter 25, verse 1 and 2, because... I want to make a quick point here to justify what I said earlier about Abraham becoming the father of many nations. Up to this point, we understand that Ishmael was by Hagar, and we was promised that he was going to have 12 what, sons. Then we find out that Isaac was by Sarah, and, you know, and, and Sarah had Isaac, and then from that she had Isaac and Esau. So, Sarah had Isaac and Esau. Now, and what we're going to find from that union, Jacob's name get changed, and he become the father of many nations also because he gets 12 sons known as the nation of the Israelites. So now we got two representations where promises have been made that many sons are going to be given to these two sets of families. Making sense so far? Now, and before Abraham dies, in chapter 25, he marries another woman. And her name was Keturah. And the Bible lets me know that she had six sons most of whom we believe settled in the Arabian Peninsula. So maybe a lot of those folks over there controlling all that oil traced their roots back to Abraham. That's why Abraham is held in high esteem in all three major religions. We just don't understand them when the people of Islam call him because they don't call him Abraham, they call him Ibrahim but they're talking about the same. So look at this. Abram married him, I'm in verse 20, chapter 25, verse 1. 
Abram married another wife whose name was Keturah, and she gave birth to Zimram, Jocham, Midian, Midian, those are key names that you want to see Midian again, but not in this series, Ishbak and Shur. And so now, before I go on, it's important for you to understand that as time go on, Sarah dies. But before she dies, and these boys are born, so that they would not conflict with Isaac, Abraham gave them gifts, and he sent them away. And also this chapter record that Abraham died at the age of 175 years old. Now these third set of boys are gone, but when Abraham died, verse 9 in chapter 25 lets me know, and his sons, Isaac and, guess who? Buried him in the cave that Sarah was buried in. In the field that they got from Blackham's descendants. So we saw that Abraham intermingled and interrelated with Ham's descendants. And he was living out his faith in God while he was doing it. The man who is called the father of faith had no problem intermingling and interrelating to some of Ham's descendants. But knowing that, that's why I take issue with what that preacher said. Because obviously he didn't interpret this writing the same way that I see it. And when we understand this, we can see how certain things are perpetuated purely out of ignorance. People don't know. So let me close this week, and I got a little bit, but I'm going to close with another story that reveals how Ham's descendants intermingled and interrelated with Abraham's descendants. This time I want to call out one of the 12 sons of Israel, Abram's grandson, because Isaac, the son of promise, was the father, you know, of Jacob and Esau. And now one of Jacob's sons, we're going to look at today, is called Judah. And we're going to see from this episode that Judah intermingled and interrelated with a Canaanite the line of David come out of this line. But he had no problem while he was down in Canaan. Interrelating with one of Ham's descendants. Genesis chapter 38. For some reason, after Judah and his brothers had sold Joseph into slavery to a group of Ish Ishmaelites on their way to e Egypt, they were traders. And some of the property that they traded in was human. And so his own brothers sold him to them, and that's how Joseph ended up in Egypt in and slavery. And so after that, for some reason, Judah left his brothers and he 
went down to a friend's house in Cana named Hiram. And while he was there, he married this Canaanite woman connecting Ham's and Abraham's descendants through Jacob. Look at this. Y'all in verse 1? It says, about this time, Judah left home. You know, parents, sometimes we're happy to see our children leave home. But we can't always control what they do when they... Leave home. And he moved to Adullam, where he stayed with a man named Hiram. There, were, there he saw a... Somebody say it for me. Say it like you ain't scared. Shout it out. Woman. The daughter of Shur. And he did what? Did what? Did who? So that means that preacher lied. That preacher flat out. And he probably destroyed a whole lot of people's mindset with that. He married her and he did what you do when you get married. When he slept with her, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And he named, and he named the boy Er. Then she became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. And she named him Onam. Then she gave birth to a third son and named him Shelah. At the time of Shelah's birth, they were living in Kazil. Now look at this. In the course of time, Judah arranged for his firstborn son, Ur, to marry a young woman named... Went out here picked him up. Major Hill... We don't do arranged ravages right now, you know, in America. We let our children do all the, you know, for us. I think some marriage would be better if they just let us help them sometime. But, but they, don't, they, don't, they don't believe in that, you know. But maybe, maybe they shouldn't let us help because if, if they, we had to arrange the marriage based upon our stereotypes and all that, we probably, you know, we, we probably wouldn't arrange it like maybe God wanted to be arranged. You know, because when I was coming up, and can I just be honest with y'all for a moment? I used to have a problem with interracial marriages too. Not from a standpoint of a biblical reference. I didn't like it because of how I saw they treated us when I was coming up. And I didn't think we ought, we ought to do that. But I wasn't saved then. I was a heathen. I wasn't standing nobody's pulpit preaching that nonsense. But what I'm trying to get you to see is that God never had a problem with people because of color. That construct came many years Later, God's problem was when they had other gods before him. And so he didn't want them in, intermingling and marrying folk that believed in something entirely. Because if, if not so, he should have stopped this. And so Abraham or, or, or Judah set it up and arranged, you know, them to get married. And the, the young man married Tamar, a Canaanite. Now look here. Let me tell this story, and then I'm going to finish. If you read on in Genesis 38, Judah's firstborn son was wicked in the sight of the Lord. 
And the Bible says the Lord slew him, killed him. I don't know what the brother had going wrong with him in his relationship with God. He, he was just wicked. The Bible said and the Lord slew him. Now Judah said to his second son, because it was a custom, since your brother is dead, but he still got a wife, you need to go in and marry your brother's wife so that your brother can have a seed left in the earth though that he's dead. In other words, you go and have a baby with your brother's wife, and then that child will be your brother's heir. And because your brother is the oldest, that heir will get a double portion of the blessing. Y'all following this so far? And guess what? That second son had a problem. Brother Anthony Way, he didn't like that arrangement that was set up at that time. So instead of him going in and doing what he's supposed to do, the Bible says he spilled his seed. <laughs> Anthony, the Bible says on the ground. <laughs> but, 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 you, but, but, you, but, but, but you make him a point. <laughs> They didn't go where they were supposed to. <laughs> I'm glad we're laughing with this. You done read the story. And so that didn't please the Lord, Brother Mose. And guess what happened? He got slow to Bam, gone. So now Judah is worried. I ain't got but one boy left. And so it may be something wrong with this girl because these boys keep dying. And so he go to her and say, hey, look, my third son is a little too young to marry you right now. Go back to your daddy's house. Stay there for a while. And when he get old, I will give him to you. He made her a promise. Now, in the process of time, Judah's wife dies. And when he and his friends you know, we're going somewhere to shear sheep. We found out that Judah failed to keep his promise. So this girl been sitting at home all these years, put her life on hold based on her. And out of desperation, Tamar the Canaanite took this situation in her own hands, found him on a road, and she went out and pretended to be a harlot. Y'all do the math on that harlot thing, you know. Rahab was a harlot. But Tamar pretended to be a harlot. And you know the story that he went into her. Should have kept going to shear, shear the sheep. But he decided that he'll stop off on the side of the road to go check into Motel 8. And while there, she got pregnant. And she ended up with twins in her womb. The sons of Judah. Twin named Perez and Zerah. And Tamar's Black Ham's descendant preserved the line of Judah through her son Perez. And God did not let us forget her, nor her name. Because her name is recorded. 
in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Let me close this argument by just reading this, and I'm, I'm almost done. It's because the Holy Spirit made sure that Matthew did not forget this. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, the Bible said the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Somebody say Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son of Abraham. Abraham begot who? Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. So that means that he had 12 of them, but the one I want to focus on, Judah, because the kingdom comes through. And if Judah don't have some children, that would have changed the whole lineage of God's plan. And God saw fit to have a Canaanite woman in place to carry on the lineage of <laughs> y'all don't believe me y'all don't believe me but look at this Judah begot Perez and Zerah by who? somebody shout Tamar now look here you gotta look a little deeper and do more than just read the pages but in the first two verses not one woman name is mentioned very seldom is a woman name mentioned in the lineage of the Jews but the Holy Spirit didn't want you to forget. Didn't want you to overlook and let somebody else write your movie and put somebody in that role that don't look like you. And the Bible says that Tamar's name made this list and she begot Perez and Perez begot her son. That ain't important and we go on the list. The thing that's important is that when you read that genealogy, the only women name that I mentioned of women that trace their roots back to <laughs> I know that was too, too much for some of y'all because y'all moving on already been written. I got to cut some of that stuff out. We got to edit something that they put in you and then we got to go back to the original floor and pick up something they cut out and put it back in there so now you can get a different perspective of the movie that you And I'm done. I had a hard time putting this one in here, but this is Larry Bolden. This is not God. Amen. Like Paul said, I, I, I Paul write this, not the Lord. I, Larry Bolden, thought of this, not the Lord. But I want you to know how Larry Bolden was thinking based upon when he was born and what he was born into. And based upon what I know, Brother Mose, about this one drop theory, this one drop this one drop pain, this one drop thing to say, if one drop of your blood can be traced back to a, an African-American, a black person, then that's how you're going to be classified. So I believe that if Jesus was born in Montgomery, Alabama, with Larry Bolden in 1953, when they looked down and found out that he had one drop of Ham's blood in him, his birth certificate would have been read just like mine. They would have put classification Negro. <laughs> I know some of y'all can't handle that, but this is the movie that I got to get you to lock in on. 
it meant something back then. I'm not saying it from a racist standpoint, but I'm standing from a point to let you know that you are included. What people meant as a curse by saying it to people who were mixed, if you just got one drop of black blood in you, you gotta be a Negro. Later on, a Negro, but a Negro, and they scared some folk, and they start reclassifying, scared little Tiger. Tiger, Tiger did no longer. And I'm trying to tell you, if they want to classify you as that, live out that classification with dignity. Let them know the line that you come from and let people know your lineage is connected to Jesus Christ and you understand that from one blood, God made all mankind, not based upon race, creed, color, but from one blood. That's why we ought to see people as mankind versus looking at them through the lens of race. Because if I were to bring and, and defy, that, defy that preacher's logic and bring an Asian person up here and let them marry one of Black Ham's kids, when they do what they do to procreate, they ain't going to create no dog. They ain't going to create no cat. They ain't going to create no cow. They're going to create another human being. And in God's eyes, it don't make no difference whether the nose is pointed or flat, lips are big or small, eyes are slanted or straight. In God's eyes, all he sees is a human. Y'all better hear me today. Y'all better hear me today. You got to start seeing people like God see people and not how you have been programmed. <laughs> not how you've been programmed to see them. See them as human beings, regardless of their race, creed, color, or national origin, a previous condition of. Amen. Amen. I'm done. Get a Lord some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Your great grandchildren, your grandchildren need to know. They are in the blessing, yes. not just the afterthought, yes. but they were factored in yes. from the beginning. Yes. And we allowed other people to rewrite the script, to write us out of it. And I just want you to just rewrite it in your mind and put your children where they belong. Yes. They come from royalty. Yes. They come from skilled people. Yes. They come from architects and builders and people who used to rule things, princes. So they're not dumb. They're not illiterate. Medicine probably originated over there in Africa. Them Egyptians were smart people. Doc, I'm pretty sure you could help me with that. I know we got a lot of things from them Africans. So I think some forms of mathematics started over in. And someone got the audacity to tell you you don't have the capacity to think critically or learn. That's a lie that we have believed and that misrepresentation have hindered so many of our ancestors. But I refuse to let folks in strive and grow up ignorant when it comes to that. Yeah, I love Jesus like everybody else. I don't hate nobody. 
But I've got to talk about this lie that's causing our people to walk away from Jesus. I'm done. Every head bowed and every eye closed.